you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about today and Christmas Eve being on a Sunday, which is totally different. I kept saying this evening uh, at the 8.30 gathering. And, and so as I was kind of preparing for it, and I was like, man, how does this not be just like a Sunday normal gathering? Because Christmas Eve, it's special, it's different. And so about last week, I, I very excitedly approached my wife and I said, honey, I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and she went, great. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I grabbed my three boys. I said, guys, let's go. And we went to the store. And what ended up happening, this is actually tame compared to what was going to happen with what they were picking out. But um, it's been asked already, no, you're not at the wrong church. And uh, I haven't gone Baptist. Uh, I heard that this morning. Uh, so whatever you believe that means, uh, I'm still here. So uh, that is what it is. You know, there are so many things in our lives that we can look at and see that they were these unforeseen or unplanned for interruptions, right? And, and oftentimes uh, it's, uh, and, and it could be little things, it could be, it could be really big things, right? You know, we, we look at these things that have caught us off guard, uh, whether it's a delay or, or whether it's just interrupting me from my routine, uh, I was uh, talking with a high schooler uh, this last week. High schoolers are in the room. What's up, high schoolers? Yeah, they're like, whatever. Um, but anyway, so I was talking with a high schooler and they were excited. They got their license, they're driving around. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, being a responsible adult, I was warning them, you know, I'm not even their parent, but I'm warning them about the dangers of a car. And uh, I'll just tell you, when we're warning you, uh, it's really, we're projecting our failures onto you, okay? That's really what's happening. And uh, as I was talking with this high schooler, uh, I started telling them this story. And, uh, and I was reminded also of this just because uh, I remember in high school and uh, there was my, my uh, the time I was supposed to be home got extended out a couple hours. It was big, it was big, big opportunity. And, and my friends were waiting for me. And I remember getting in the car and, and so excited. Tonight, it's gonna be amazing, all of that. They're waiting on me. And, and so I head out. And where I grew up and where I was in high school, north of Spokane, where uh, there was a, a greater population of deer than human beings. And as I'm driving, uh, I'll never forget, I see these deer coming down the side of the hill and, and, and I slam on the brakes, you know. And, and as the deer pass my amazing all gray 88 Ford Escort. Uh, they, they missed me and, and they go out in front. And I just remember going, oh, and then all of a sudden there's a buck that's trailing and he comes and I don't know what it was, the gray, the color, I don't know, but goes right into the side. And that was the second time I totaled my 88 Escort. And I remember I remember I was, as a high school, I was more devastated that, well, am I going to still be able to go out tonight? They're waiting for me. And I do not want to deal with my parents right now. So it kept, it started back up. So I dealt with my parents in the morning and got to where I needed to be. Uh, you guys, there's so many things, whether it's a, a plane that's delayed, the belt line is backed up. 
there's these little uh, interruptions in our lives, but there's also lar- these huge interruptions that, that alter the course of our life, you know? Uh, whether it's uh, an opportunity where someone calls and says, hey, we wanna hire you here. Uh, and it's an amazing life-changing opportunity uh, for you. I, I met a brand new baby this morning at the 8.30 gathering. That is a life-changing interruption. <laughs> and a beautiful baby, but, but it, it's, it, it was something that, you know, they, they, it was unforeseen, you know, for the couple. And, and I think that we've experienced those things in our lives. And when you look at the Christmas story and, and you look at Luke chapter one, what you see is a divine interruption. The angel Gabriel visits this young peasant woman named Mary. And Mary is engaged to uh, this young man named Joseph. They don't come from uh, very much at all. And all of a sudden, in this unplanned, unforeseen, uh, divine uh, interruption, we see that the angel Gabriel tells Mary, hey, you have been chosen. You are favored. And she's confused. She's, she's actually in fear. She's like, what is going on? And so then the angel Gabriel tells her that she has been chosen uh, as this young virgin to birth the savior of the world. And then Joseph is told of the same uh, thing. And, and, and what we really see happening here is God interrupting Mary and Joseph's life and inviting them into his saving plan, which led to worship. In fact, in Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 55, we see Mary's song of just praise and worship to the Lord. And, and, and then in Luke chapter two, we, we, we see the, the Christmas story. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so we have the Christmas story here. And, and, and the setting is Rome is essentially flexing on the world, right? They're, they're, they're like, hey, you're all going to go get registered. Uh, we're going to take a census because we want to see how big we are, how many people we are. We also want to make sure that we're taxing everybody and people aren't uh, getting into these loopholes. And we also want to make sure those that are supposed to sign up, register to be a part of the army are doing that. And so they do uh, this, this worldwide census and, and and as they do that, each individual was to go back to uh, their family's home. And so Bethlehem is packed out with people coming from all over the place. And as a result, there's, there's no place for Joseph and Mary to stay. There's no place uh, for them to have this baby. And so we see Jesus in the humblest of ways. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We see him enter humanity as this baby born to a young virgin girl in an animal shelter placed in a feeding trough. 
God had initiated his eternal plan to save humanity. But woven into this story, we see God do what he continues to do today. And this really stood out to me in the last month. What we see God doing is he continuously is revealing who Jesus is and inviting people to then worship him. See, if you keep reading in Luke chapter two, in verse eight, it says this, it says, and in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You guys, the shepherds were not looking for this. The shepherds were at work. The shepherds were doing life right? They were in their routine, <laughs> okay? They were in the daily grind. Uh, and, 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 and yet this angel interrupts that routine, interrupts that daily life and, and announces the arrival of the Savior. I mean, they're, they're in fear. They're like, what is happening? Are you seeing this? And so this angel interrupts them. And, and, and then in verse 14, all of a sudden, there's all of these other heavenly hosts. And you got to imagine if you're a shepherd, now you're, right? I mean, freaking out. And all of a sudden, the heavenly hosts, multitude of them are crying out, glory to God in the highest. A divine interruption into the shepherd's lives once again, where God introduces the Savior and he invites the shepherds into his story, which led them to worship. And, and, and we just keep seeing the story played out within the Christmas story, right? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And they quote Micah here. 
It says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. If you're a kid in this room, that is a, there we go, there's two of you. After, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Okay, we've just completed the nativity scene and, and, and we see these wise men. Now, now uh, we believe they came from the east. Uh, we're not sure how many of them there were. Uh, we're not even sure of their official title. Uh, there's some that state they were kings, um, but these were incredibly wise individuals who studied uh, the stars and they had somehow connected the dots that the star was leading them to the savior of the world. Now, now, the question we have to ask and then answer is, who brought the star? Who led them to Jerusalem? See, you guys, the star wasn't just an announcement that the king had arrived, but it was also an invitation by God. They, they, they wanted to know where this king was. Why? It says, so that they could come and worship him. And so they go into Jerusalem, right? I mean, this should be the headquarters. Everyone should know in Jerusalem about the Savior and where the Savior's at. They should be worshiping him, right? And yet, as they ask around, people don't know. Uh, in fact, it says that the people in Jerusalem were troubled. We don't know if the people are troubled uh, because they know that this is going to trouble Herod, who was this puppet king who uh, was there, but really under Rome and was brutal to his own people. So, so they're afraid. How is, how is Herod going to react and respond to this? And we see that Herod freaks out. Herod brings all of his experts uh, in uh, the law, all of his experts in, in religion. He brings them all together and he says, hey, I need to know where is the savior, this king, where's he, where's he gonna come from? And they tell him, Bethlehem. And so he encourages the wise men to go back and to go find the specific place where the savior's at so that he can eliminate the threat. And that star reappears to the wise men and leads them to the exact place and they worship Jesus. God interrupting individuals to introduce Jesus and then inviting them into his story. I want to ask you, has there been a divine interruption in your life? where God revealed who Jesus is. 
where he was no longer just this Jesus that you had heard about, this Jesus that, you, that, that, that religious people believe in or talk about or this Jesus in the Bible, but where you really understood and it was revealed to you for the first time uh, why Jesus came, what Jesus actually uh, accomplished. And one of the things that I find is our response to uh, that revealing, it usually lands in one of two camps. And the first is Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, uh, the, the wise men, uh, where, where the Savior is revealed. We understand, we, we know what he did, we believe, and it leads us to worship. But then there's the other camp, which I would put Herod in, where the Savior, there's an understanding, there's a revealing of who he is, but that is a threat. It's a threat. And all through Scripture, the arrival of Jesus, you see this over and over as Jesus grows up. You see that the arrival of Jesus was either a savior to be worshiped or a threat to be dealt with. And we see that he was a threat to, to Herod. We see that uh, as he grew up, he was a threat to the Pharisees, right? Uh, the Pharisees did not like his message. Uh, he was getting the attention. Uh, his message was convicting. His message challenged them in their religiosity. Uh, and, and, and so, no, he was a threat to their, their position. He was a threat to how people viewed them. Uh, and, and we see that continue to build throughout Jesus's life to where ultimately people that were worshiping him, that were saying, hail, here comes the king would days later shout and yell, crucify him. And then moving forward in the New Testament, we would see that Jesus' followers and how they lived, it threatened even the economics for people that, were, uh, that had built a platform off of idol worship. And so these Christians, these Jesus' followers were a threat to them. And you guys, it is no different today. Jesus is either the savior to be worshiped or a threat to the way that I want to live. And so maybe today, God's interrupting your normal Christmas routine. And, and you know what? We've got our routines down, don't we? We love finding that routine, that tradition. We know where we're going to be. We have a plan. And, just, and, and we don't even have to think about it. And just maybe God this morning is interrupting you. And maybe he's revealing himself. Maybe he's, maybe he's calling you to it. Like, who do you think I really am? Where are you at with me? Do you know what I came to do, what I accomplished? Or maybe he's saying, hey, it's towards the end of the year. Do you remember me? Do you remember me? I never left you. I love you. I'm still here. You guys, one of the things that's very clear is God is not trying to play hide and go seek with you. And like, he wants you to find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 is so clear. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay? Uh, so he's been revealing himself since the beginning of time. And he continues to do that today for the very purpose of rescuing us from saving us from that penalty of sin and of death and inviting us in to worship him and to receive him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, our church has been going through Advent and there was always a plan, as we saw two weeks ago, there's always a plan for God to bring salvation to humanity. 
So Jesus coming to earth is the fulfillment of that plan. Like it was a rescue mission. That's what it was. That's why he came. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why. You guys, see, there had to be a perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for all of humanity's past, present, and future sins, right? And they're great, aren't they? We're, see, we're, we're born with this sinful nature, right? And, and, and man, I, I think about today, I'm not very optimistic even in the rest of the day that I'm not going to sin. And so it's there, and, and, and yet Romans 6, says, Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is, is death. But this baby, Jesus would grow up and would be the perfect sacrifice for all of the sins of the world. And he, through his work on the cross, he would reconcile humanity with God. And then through the resurrection, he would defeat sin and death, bringing about eternal life for all who'd believe. You guys, yes, the wages of sin is death. But Romans 6 tells us, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like, like that's it, you guys. That's it. That's that's the message. I'm, I'm going to invite the band to come up here. But you guys, uh, as, as, you, as you think about that, like that's what God wants you to know today. That's either what God wants to reveal to you or that's what God wants to remind you of today. Why? So that you can receive salvation. So that you can respond uh, to that incredible invitation and then worship him. And not just worship him as, oh, we, we just worship because everyone's singing. Everybody's singing these songs. I like the songs. I've got the Michael Buble Christmas album. I love it. And, but, but know that we would actually worship him this morning as king and as Lord. You guys, Romans 12 or Hebrews 12, 28, I love how it says this. It says in light of that, essentially, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. He, he, he says, in light of this unshakable kingdom, you guys, anything and everything that is under your tree is shakable. Okay, so if you've already done that, right? And it can be, it can be taken away. Everything that's under that tree, including the tree, can be taken away. It doesn't last. And so he's describing the unshakable kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God uh, that, that we are invited into. And, and it says, in light of that eternal gift to where you're no longer the same, to where you're walking in light of eternity, to where every uh, mistake, every doubt, every, every misstep, it no longer defines you in light of that. It's an unshakable reality. He says, in light of that, your posture of worship changes into reverence and awe. An eternal kingdom and eternal life. And that's why we have true lasting peace and joy today. And that's why we're going to worship him. Guys, these aren't empty Christmas songs that everyone sings. These are truths that we cling to, that define us. 
It is our response to the greatest gift and to God's divine invitation. And so what I want to invite us all into is to worship the King.